You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back in. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. I'm going to be joined in just a moment by Tyler Calvaruso. And there's a lot cooking right now in Happy Valley when it comes to the current football team. Winter workouts are officially underway this Monday. We're coming to you a day earlier because of some recruiting news here on, on, on the first full week of February. But winter workouts underway. We'll have coverage of those over at Lions247.com. We've got a, a thread going on at Lions247.com right now about the top performers, the top competitors from this first session early on Monday morning. These are very challenging workout sessions very early in the morning, especially for these uh, players making their transition to the college level or perhaps transferring into the program. Uh, gut check time for this team in a lot of ways, but an important step forward getting eventually towards spring break in early March. And then they come back from spring break. They're into spring practices and we'll all get a chance to see them at the blue-white game in mid-April. But this show specifically, we're going to focus in on recruiting because Penn State's fresh off of a very important in-state pickup, a priority prospect that we've discussed in the past. And there's a lot of feedback as well coming out of the third consecutive weekend with the junior day on campus. We've got the college football dead period hitting us now. So going to get a little, little bit more quiet on the recruiting trail, but things heated up again for Penn State this past weekend. To break it down, of course, we turn to Tyler Calvaruso who has the latest on this pickup for Penn State's 2025 class. And we'll got a few other names that we're going to be monitoring who could eventually and maybe potentially sooner rather than later add to the 2025 recruiting class. But first things first, Tyler, great job with coverage. I know there's a lot of teamwork that goes into it. Brian Doan, Steve Wilfong, you've got Tom Loy doing a lot for us as well. Uh, but but you're obviously spearheading it on a day-to-day basis at Lions 24-7 with our Penn State recruiting coverage. So uh, good work, third consecutive junior day in the books. And this one produces a commitment and Alex Tash, in-state linebacker out of Greater Latrobe High School. Uh, he's a name that you and I discussed in depth a couple times going in through the month of January as it may be the next guy to join the class. You had a crystal ball pick in and here it is. 
Yeah, it's a big commitment too. Tash was one of Penn State's top priorities in the 2025 class for a multitude of reasons. You know, he plays a position of need at linebacker. Penn State's always looking to stockpile talent in the linebacker room. And when you throw on Tash's tape, I mean, you know, he's he's one of those high school prospects who there are very few who kind of have like that wow factor on tape. I think Tash is one of them personally. I mean, if you put it on and watch, it's pretty easy to figure out every game he plays with the best player on the field is. It's him. I mean, he's one of the better players in the WPIAL, and Penn State just continues to roll in Western Pennsylvania with Terry Smith spearheading the effort there. That's four commits from the WPIAL in this 2025 recruiting class early on. Tesh, you know, he's arguably the best of the bunch. Hard hitter, sound tackler's technique is where it needs to be. Good athlete, multi-sport athlete. You know, he's run track. He's played basketball. So the athletic profile is there. His stock is nothing but on the rise. He received his initial rating from 24-7 Sports yesterday. Checked in as a high three-star recruit with an 89 rating. Compositor, he has him as a four-star. And really moving forward, Tash is going to be a top 24-7 candidate. You know, I've heard that from multiple people. His stock is definitely on the rise, and he's going to wind up, at least at this rate, the way he's trending as one of the higher-ranked players in Penn State's 2025 recruiting class. He wanted to get back to campus to get this one done in person. You know, he visited for that January 20th junior day, the first junior day of the offseason. Everything went really, really well there. Kind of solidified Penn State as his clear top option, and kind of reinforced that timeline we were thinking of sooner rather than later. That winds up coming to fruition, but he returned to campus on Saturday, mainly because he wanted to let the staff know in person that, hey, he wants to be part of this 2025 recruiting class. So big get for Penn State, no matter how you slice it. Alex Tash, one of the top targets for on Penn State's board, now in the bag for the Indian Lions. From that Pittsburgh metropolitan area out west, and it's an area that's been pretty good to Penn State of late. Of course, one of their top early enrollees uh, from that region in Quinton Martin in the running back room. And now Alex Tash, the biggest, uh, the latest addition, I should say, to this class. And as you said, a guy who seems to be in some ways like Owen Alicine a couple of weeks ago who they picked up. Right now, he's in that high three-star territory, but there's a lot about the trajectory of each of those prospects that lead you to believe they may be trending upward when it's all said and done. And when, when if our, by the way, we have to pitch this before it gets too late. We got a 75% off deal. And if folks have been uh, following our VIP coverage and Tyler specifically the last couple of weeks, this move comes as no surprise that Tash comes on board with the Nittany Lions and a lot of good intel coming out of this latest recruiting weekend, including another crystal ball, which we'll get into momentarily. But our VIP subscribers are knowing about this well in advance of, of when our podcast listeners are. I know that we have a, a, a lot that kind of cross over between those two. But Tyler, 75% off deal. And the reason I want to mention at the top of the show, it only lasts today. It's just yeah. happening on this Monday, February 5th. So come midnight tonight, uh, it's done. Tuesday, it's over with. So it's happening right now. And, and Tyler, if, if people out there are just looking for the encouragement to make this move, which we can sell all the stuff we do during the season, during prospect camps in the summer, uh, during spring ball, when we're on the field and we're watching these practices and what our VIP subscribers get out of that. But when it's a, a random Monday in February or, you know, a middle of the summer day when there's not a camp going on, recruiting's always happening. What what are you providing that, that our listeners are missing out on that value if they're only tuning in for, for these podcast episodes and nothing more. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a 365-day affair. You know, it's a full calendar year, probably more so now than ever with the transfer portal and just everything that goes into recruiting. you got to re recruit on multiple levels now. That is the world we live in in college football. So, you know, if you're sitting around, that you're listening to the pod, thinking, oh, it's January, you know, season's over. 
not a whole lot must be going on. I promise you that is not the case. You know, you got these junior day visits, you know, once spring practice rolls around, guys are going to be back on campus. Just there's a lot that goes into it on a day-to-day -day basis. And we've always got you guys covered with content on a daily basis with what Penn State is doing on the recruiting trail, you know, who the top guys are, how boards at certain positions are coming together. And of course, I mean, what are some of these kids thinking about Penn State? You know, we're constantly checking in with prospects who are high in the new lines to get a better feel of where they're at in their process, not just from a Penn State perspective either, but overall as well. You know, these guys have a lot of schools to sort through, and it's always interesting to dive into their lists, see what they think about specific schools. So we've always got we, – we try to cover all our bases. I think we do a pretty good job of it. But day in and day out, we've always got something new for you guys to share, no matter what time of year it is. Yeah, we'll give you a reminder again later on the show before we say goodbye. But again, 75% off a full year of coverage at Lions 24-7 uh, going on through 11.59 p.m. Eastern time here on Monday. So act now if you want to make that move. We reached an all-time uh, site high in subscriptions. Our community continues to grow. That was late in 2023. Let's continue to build it in 2024. We would love for you to be a part of that. But let's move on. Let's get back to the addition here and Alex Tash. I think what I loved about the productivity during his junior season where you know you, you look at him against the competition and he certainly stands out in the way you would hope a Penn State linebacker commit would look as a junior in high school. But the turnover, the turnovers he was able to create. I mean, this wasn't just the guy going out there and doing the, 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 the you know, the, the, blowback hits, which I know Penn State loves to see. They don't just want to see defenders, whether it's the safety or cornerback, a linebacker, what have you. They don't want to see the wrap-up and tackle. They want to see them inflicting some blowback kind of hits at the high school level and really leaving their mark over the course of four quarters. He's producing plays, though. Uh, three forced fumbles, four interceptions in a 12-game span. Um, I just thought th this guy, you see him and, and you think, okay, he's got the size, he's got the physicality. He's kind of just going to be, you know, maybe he's going to be a guy who cleans up in the run game, able to get after it. I think there is a playmaking ability to Tasha's game where he can do a little bit more and maybe be a, a pendulum swinger in terms of defense. Not every every linebacker is going to be that. I don't think you can point out to, to every single linebacker Penn State has brought in and say he's going to go out and make plays. You're thinking he's going to be a really solid guy in his role. I think Tash can do some things maybe off script a little bit at the linebacker position that can swing games as he develops in his career. Yeah, what Tash brings to the table is kind of the marker of a truly great defense. You know, elite defenses turn opposing offenses over. You know, it's all well and good. You're out there getting stops and getting off the field on third down and, you know, forcing your opponent into third and long situations. But when you're turning your opponent over consistently – that's the marker of an elite defense. And Tash showed throughout his junior year that he has the ability to do that. Three forced fumbles, four interceptions. I'd say that's probably the most notable aspect of it is the four interceptions, yeah. him dropping in the coverage, showing his, off his athleticism. You know, sometimes you see high school linebackers, they pick up a bunch of interceptions, then you go and look at the tape, and it's kind of, you know, off deflection or, you know, you're in the right place at the right time, and the ball falls into your lap. Definitely not the case with Tash. He's making plays in coverage. He's definitely, you know, what it comes back to for me is he's just the kind of kid that Penn State gets, specifically at linebacker. You know, all of the traits that he has is what Penn State looks for in its linebackers. You know, he profiles as a Mike at the next level. You know, when you compare him to the, some of the 2024 signings at Mike and Kari Jackson and Anthony Specka, you know, he's probably a little different. I think those guys are more traditional thumpers who are going to clean up in the run game, as you mentioned. Tash could do a little bit more for you, I think, as a prospect. You know, like we said, that athleticism, he, he has been flashing that throughout his high school career, whether it be on the football field, on the hardwood, playing basketball, on the track. I mean, he set a personal best on the track in April of 2022 
as a freshman. So his athletic ability has been apparent for an extended period of time. And yeah, I just think his versatility and what he contributes as a Mike backer is, is again, it's just what Penn State's defense needs. Yeah, he's and he's got a he's got a nice history on the track field, as you mentioned, some long jump uh, work in his past. But you just look at the production, it, and it wasn't just as a defender last year. Also got involved six point six yards per carry as a running back, six rushing touchdowns. Uh, we talked about the turnover issue. He created eighty five tackles along the way, including four sacks uh, as a junior at Latrobe. He's somebody I'm really curious to see in a seven on seven setting because I would love to see how that coverage looks. Uh, you know, when it went going up against bigger, uh, maybe. A bigger receiver who's playing a tight end role or just a, a large frame receiver six foot three plus kind of guy and then also maybe working against more of a shiftier opponent or a running back out of the backfield someone who's going to bring a little bit more juice laterally how does Tash, uh, Tash counter that it's something I expect we'll get to see this upcoming summer uh, on the fields at Penn State looking forward to that and, and and our you know our evaluation of Tash and the conversations with him will continue between now and when he joins this program so we'll continue to to wrap our heads around him and there's now nine guys in this class class Tyler in terms of uh what we're what Penn State's working with for the 2025 cycle uh it's it's the two additions that have come during this junior day span uh Tash of course the latest and before that we mentioned Owen Alicine uh the big six foot seven offensive tackle out of Avon Old Farms in Connecticut and the question with recruiting as always is well who's next who's going to push this thing to double digits keep the ball rolling forward it's a group that as of right now on Monday February 5th ranked sixth nationally in 2025 rankings at 24-7 sports. And that is the question I'll now pose to you, Tyler. Uh, your latest crystal ball pick has come off the board. He's now a Nittany Lions commit in Tash. Where are we looking now? You can start wherever you'd like. Yeah, the hot name is another Western PA guy, another WPIL standout, and that is Deshaun Burnett from Amani Christian. I know he, um, he didn't make it back to Penn State for any junior day visits throughout the winter. And he's kind of been a guy we haven't talked about a whole lot recently, but Terry Smith and James Franklin made it out to Omani Christian for a visit late last week. And at this point, Penn state profiles as the team to beat for Deshaun Burnett. He narrowed his list down to five in December. He's always held the Nittany lions in high regard. You know, he visited a couple times in 2023. He visited for the season opener against, West Virginia, and he told me that he had a really good time at that visit. Really liked the way Penn State's defense was flying around out there against the Mountaineers, and he was part of that annual Lash Bash barbecue at the end of July where, you know, you see a lot of priority guys make it to campus and catch up with the staff. So Burnett is the hot name right now. Beyond him, you know, two DBs I'm keeping an eye on moving forward. And, again, the term next these days is pretty relative. You know, next could be a month or so from now, just given the fact that so many guys are taking a more long-term approach to their recruitment, given the new structure of the recruiting calendar with the unlimited official visits and whatnot. But two DBs, specifically at safety, Canola Winston, Jadon Blair, two guys we've gotten the chance to talk about a lot. Penn State has positioned itself pretty well with both of them, especially Blair. You know, I've toyed around with the idea of tossing a crystal ball pick for him. I'm going to hold off for a little bit. Penn State's in a pretty good spot. There are still things Blair wants to see. You know, he wants to get to Michigan for a visit. I would assume that takes place during the spring. It's really going to come down to his parents' schedule and where he can get out and visit before locking in his official visits. You know, Penn State will be one of them. I think Notre Dame is still a player. For Blair, you know, when Ethan Long committed to the Fighting Irish, that definitely helped Penn State a little bit, it seemed like. 
but Notre Dame is still in the weeds and they're still working the North Carolina native. So that's something to keep an eye on. And then when it comes to Winston, I think he's taking an even longer term approach to his recruitment. You know, he, he has experienced a blow up. He's one of the elite recruits in the 2025 class at this point. He's been to Penn state a bunch. He's been to state college more than any other place in his recruitment. You know, he's very comfortable with the staff, very comfortable with Anthony Poindexter. Always has that resource in his cousin, K.J. Winston, to fall back on whenever he's looking to gain some more insight into the Nittany Lions. I think Ohio State's involvement with Winston moving forward is going to be interesting. You know, you got the new safeties coach out in Columbus. Those two are trying to build a relationship. So where do things go there? I think that's what I'm going to be keeping an eye on. But with those guys, you know, I think Penn State's positioned itself quite well. And then Tyler, again, just, I, yeah. I know there's an offensive name you want to get to. There before is. You, before you work your way there, I just wanted to circle back to a few things on these defenders. Mm-hmm. First, with the defensive backs, and these are two names that if people are frequently listening to the Lions 24-7 podcast, you're frequently hearing them. And, and Jadon Blair out of Mount Tabor High School in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And then Kanoa Winston, the younger cousin of current starting Nittany Lions safety, KJ Winston. He's out of Gonzaga in Washington, D.C., those two guys are, are, are pretty covered. You talked about Winston. I think he's, what, top five safety, the number two yeah. safety overall right now in America. If they were to commit, and, and what you said is a relative term soon, but let's say before the official visit window opens, and both of those guys would have their pickings really of coast-to-coast options paid for for them and their families to go check out other campuses, how do you think Penn State would be able to actually get that done? Uh, what would the case that they would have had to have made to convince a guy like Kanoa Winston to say, you know what, I'm good without without going on the official visit circuit because we know one thing about James Franklin and commitments. He's not interested in accepting your commitment if you have an itinerary of travel plans ahead of you. You know, I think it just comes down to keeping things moving in the direction it's currently moving and, you know, keep building that trust, keep building the relationships to the point where both prospects feel, you know, they can play in state college and not just play for the NA lines, but develop under the watch of Anthony Poindexter. He deserves a ton of credit for where Penn State is at with both of these guys. I mean, you know, he's spearheading the efforts as the safeties coach. You know, he's gotten a long look at both of these guys from an evaluation standpoint. He has zoned in on both as two of his priority tar- safety targets in the class, and he's made that clear to them. And the good thing with Poindexter when it comes to these two recruitments is he's laid out, you know, plans for utilization quite clearly, especially with Jadon Blair. You know, he's a bigger safety. You know, he's different than Winston. He's got that length and that longer, just overall bigger frame. So he could do some more things for you at safety. And pretty much every plan that Penn State has for Jadon Blair has been pitched him, and he's been very receptive. And he's liked the fact that the staff has gone so in-depth and, you know, figuring out ways to play to his strengths in the secondary. So I just think it's a matter of keeping things heading in the right direction. And I think you see during spring practices, you know, a lot of these guys, they like to get to campus and see the coaches, specifically their position coaches in action. What's it like when they're working with the guys who are already on their depth chart? That's a big factor in the process. I would say I'd expect it to be a big factor for Blair and Winston, even though both have seen, you know, Paul and Dexter work during games, but that's a little bit different, you know, practice setting. It's a little more intimate. You get to see more, and you kind of get a glimpse into what your future could be if you were to play for Point Dexter. And then the blue-white game, you know, if those guys make it back for Penn State's spring game, that's always an event that works in Penn State's favor on the recruiting trail. So maybe some fireworks happen there. But, again, when it comes to what it would take to get this across the finish line, I really think Penn State just has, has, has to uh, keep doing what it's doing. It's going to come down to the time, the individual timeline for these guys. You know, when they're ready, they'll, they'll go. 
It's certainly complimentary pieces, as you referenced from, from the size standpoint, with Blair being listed at six foot four, 190 pounds, more that Dakari Nelson type, and then yes. Winston, 5'10, 185 pounds, and he can do a lot for you in that de in the defensive secondary. Uh, and, and then I just want to circle back to Burnett, too, because we just discussed Penn State closing uh, with a linebacker recruit here in the state uh, and getting Alex Tash on board. DJ McClary is a guy you and I discussed last week on the show, uh, four star. He's actually the top rated member of this recruiting class out of uh, Henry Snyder High School in Jersey City. Uh, he's been committed to the program since last September. So two linebackers on board. Uh, if you're talking about picking up a third and, and that's where some commitment balls are, uh, commit crystal balls, I should say, uh, for commitments. Are, are trending now uh, in terms of Deshaun Burnett, another in-state player out of Amani Christian, who you just kind of gave us the, the rundown on, four-star linebacker in his own right. But how does Penn State feel about adding a third linebacker at this stage of the 2025 timeline? What might that do for their continued interest in the position with the new position coach and defensive coordinator and Tom Allen? And then lastly, do you see Burnett as a guy who sticks at linebacker when he's 20 years old at the college level? I think he could definitely grow into a defensive end role. You know, we're kind of working to see more of what the plan is there for his development. He played on the edge a lot for Monty Christian as a junior. So, I mean, that is on tape, you know, him lining up as more of an edge type player. So, you know, he that's something that he has familiarized himself with and has, you know, gotten used to playing on the field. You know, I, it, it's interesting because you're talking about two guys already on board and a potential third here soon, you know, if that does come to fruition and it's only February. So where does that take Penn State at linebacker moving forward? You know, Profiles is a bigger group in this class, I would say. I think the 2025 class in general is going to be kind of around that 25, maybe even 25 plus mark like it was during 2024. But with linebackers specifically, you know, three, four guys at position. You know, I think five might be a lot. I, I guess it kind of depends what exactly the plan is for Burnett, you know, where he's going to line up right off the bat. That'll play a big part in determining how many backers you decide to take. But it, it does create an interesting scenario here early in the cycle. Two guys already on board, third trending. And then you have a bunch of high priority, not higher priority necessarily, but guys who are high on the board, you know, they're still out there for the taking. So, Decisions are going to have to be made. You know, the pecking order is going to – they're definitely going to have to do a deep dive into the pecking order. But, uh, you know, guys like Cam Smith, Anthony Saka, Todd Jackson from Florida who visited for a junior day, Elijah Melendez made it to campus for a junior day. There are a bunch of names still out there who are considering the Nittany Lions. So uh, it's an interesting scenario, but it's one of those good problems to have. You know, when you've got this many talented linebackers interested in you know, taking their talents to Happy Valley, it's a good thing for the staff. They just got to make some calls. And does anyone think that Penn State's going to suddenly become stocked down in terms of culture and perception exactly. at linebacker this year with the junior and Abdul Carter, a redshirt junior that we saw really make big strides in Kobe King, and then what we think Tony Rojas might be able to become as a sophomore. There's a lot of things trending in the right direction for them at linebacker on the field and on the recruiting trail as well. Um, I was just was curious there because I was maybe wondering if we should be getting shades of Zariah Fisher, uh, who, who came from Western PA, um, you know, got a first year run at linebacker and ultimately said, all right, I'm ready to embrace this role defensive end. And he has a chance to in year five now, after picking up some, some, some momentum last year to really finish his career as an impact player off the edge. And, and just going back, as you said, a top five for Burnett. And right now it certainly seems and sounds like Penn state is firmly in control here, but Penn state, Pitt, Rutgers, West Virginia, and Kentucky uh, were that top five that he put out uh, following his junior season. The other name that you wanted to get to here, and we'll go to the offensive end, it's another in-state player. 
And it's one of those guys who got his offer more recently during this whole junior day offer bonanza situation. The last three weeks we've seen as Penn State's kind of restructured its 2025 board. Take us to that spot. Yeah, you know, tight end's another position because Penn State is just involved with so many talented players at that position. And obviously, like any other position, there's a limited number of spots. But Andrew Olish from you know Central Valley has really moved up the board for Ty Howell. He picked up his offer for the Indian Lions while he was on campus for that January 20th junior day. I mean, he's been very clear that that was a big offer for him. And Penn State is high on his list. You know, his recruitment's really starting to take off. He's, I believe he's touching 20 offers now. He's either close to 20 or he's at 20. And a lot of those offers have come from, you know, really notable programs. You've got Miami involved, Duke, Ole Miss, Pitt, Rutgers, Michigan State. The list goes on and on. So I think that speaks to where his stock is heading. When it comes to, you know, his timeline, he's another guy who hasn't committed to anything. He's very focused on learning more about the programs that are just jumping into his process now. But in-state guy, he's been around a bunch, has already professed, you know, a pretty clear admiration for Ty Howe and the Penn State staff. He kind of has the feel of one of those tight ends who, you know, he makes it back to campus for spring practice and things go well. He could maybe decide to wrap things up at that point. But again, next, it could be a month. It could be weeks. You know, you just never know. But I think Penn State has done a pretty good job with Olish right now. And he's definitely high in the Nittany line. So he's a guy I'm keeping an eye on moving forward. Well, I'm, I'm looking at this class and, and I, I'm seeing the offers at tight end. And we've talked about how they're very high aiming offers for Penn State. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those offers have been reciprocated. For instance, Hayden Bradley coming up from Buford, Georgia, uh, a, a couple of weeks ago for a junior day. But, there, you know, some reporting from Tom Loy, who's, who's been really uh, contributing a lot more from a recruiting end at 24-7 Sports with some Penn State stuff for us of late. Um, and he got reports just in the past few days about Lincoln Cure, uh, you know, the number two player at the tight end position in 2025 out of Kansas. Mm -hmm. having legitimate interest in Penn State. He's got a report about Nate Roberts out of Oklahoma, the number six tight end in this class, uh, having legitimate interest in Penn State. And then you've got Olish here, an in-state player that, that you're saying maybe it's trending towards him ending up in this class. They got one guy on board in the 2024 cycle. He was considered the best in the nation and Luke Reynolds. Prior to that, they had signed three tight ends. Only two of them are still around, but are we getting the sense that this is a multi-tight end cycle? Yeah, I think it could definitely be a multi-tight end cycle because, again, it comes back to, you know, the desire to stockpile talent and quality depth, especially at this point in the cycle when Penn State has already established itself as, a you know, at least a top contender with so many elite guys at the position. I mean, Lincoln Cure, there's no doubt about it that, you know, he's probably most wanted at the position. And I think if – it's interesting because Kansas State – has done a really good job of Lincoln Care, and I do think the Wildcats are going to be tough to beat with him. You know, it's an in-state option, and that staff has just done a really lights-out job recruiting him so far. But if he makes it to official visit season, and, you know, Penn State positions itself to get a visit, which I think it has done enough to definitely be in consideration for that, and he makes it to State College, he's already experienced a whiteout, so that's big. But if he makes it to State College for an official visit as an uncommitted prospect, who knows where things go? We, we've seen this happen so many times where guys who make it to Penn State, you think Penn State's a little bit further down the list, they get to State College and it kind of just hits them and it blows them away to at least some degree and the list flips in Penn State's favor. Could that happen with Lincoln Care? I definitely think it's possible. Could it be happening with Nate Roberts if he gets back on campus again? I think it's possible. But, yeah, I definitely see it being another multi-tight end class because, again, if there's just certain guys on this board and among this group, who you're just not going to say no to based on their talent and upside. 
Two things to add on tight end. Uh, if folks out there weren't paying attention in the last week, Theo Johnson stock up in the 2020, uh, 2024 NFL draft, which is really a wide open spot at tight end beyond the, the top guy there, Brock Bowers out of Georgia. There's a lot of opportunity for movement at the tight end spot, a lot of opportunity to, to rise up that board. Theo Johnson doing himself some favors uh, at, the, at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. We've said for a long time that when he gets an opportunity to go put on compression shorts and a T-shirt and go run around a field and do testing numbers, he's going to kill it out there. So expect him to continue taking forward steps in his draft journey. And if he lands higher and higher and higher on boards, that's yet another thing that this staff can point to at the tight end position. And they got a lot of ammo right now on the recruiting trail. And the other point to make a tight end, Tyler, is we have to acknowledge that Brady O'Hara is somewhere in between tight end and offensive tackle uh, in this recruiting class. I mean, maybe even defensive end. I don't know. You tell me. But this is a guy in Brady O'Hara who's six foot six, right around 240 pounds right now as a high school junior. He's been committed to Penn State since September at a North Catholic high school in Pittsburgh. Number 14 tight end right now at 24-7 sports, a top 24-7 talent, a four-star kind of guy. But as we've discussed, jumbo athlete. So I just yeah. want to always make point when we talk about OT, when we talk about tight end in 2025 cycle, kind of got to just reference that that he's somewhere in the midst. He's somewhere in the vicinity of that conversation. Right, Tyler? Yeah, I, I do think at this point it's probably the most likely outcome is he winds up starting his career at tackle. But we talk about versatility in this class and guys who could do different things for you. Brady O'Hara is definitely one of them. I mean, it's kind of what he has spent his entire high school career doing. He has seen reps at tight end. I mean, we've watched him camp and work directly with Ty Hal as a tight end. You know, he has played on the offensive line as a junior. He was playing left tackle for North Catholic. And then he was lined up as a defensive end, really from the start of his high school career and was an impact player on the defensive side of the ball. So right now I do think offensive tackle is the projection there. But we'll see. You know, things could always change. I mean, he's an impressive athlete, that's for sure. And he's I think his best football is still ahead of him because he's going to grow into his frame and really come along physically. And I think, you know, he's one of those dudes who he gets around Chuck Losey. He could definitely accomplish something special in the weight room because he's got that work ethic to him, that's for sure. When these crystal ball picks go in and when things really start to trend towards these commitments, uh, you'll find out first at lines247.com uh, with our team of experts, including Tyler Calvaruso. So make sure, again, 75% off just today here, Monday, February 5th, if you want to take a peek at what we've got cooking behind the scenes when it comes to recruiting coverage. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. 
Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. From who may be next to commit to who really came away impressed by what Penn State put on display last Saturday. That's the story or that's a topic of focus right now for us, Tyler. And again, three consecutive Saturdays in which Penn State welcomes a significant collection of recruits to campus for these junior days. Uh, They're very important because there's a lot of opportunities during this open window to go check out other events at other campuses. So to be able to get guys from not just within your own region, but as we've discussed from Florida, from Texas, from North Carolina, up to your campus, it can help set the stage for those official visits, those game day visits later on in the process as you try to lock in this 2025 class. And then, as we said, 2026 recruits have been impacted by these junior days as well. But the quarterback spot is something that we previewed going into the final junior day. And let's we're on the other side of it. Matt Zollers, let's you know kind of check in on that because he's a top 10 quarterback here in the state of Pennsylvania, don't see that often. And he's somebody who recently went south to check out some other Power 5 opportunities. And he just got a really interesting profile that's heading in a a high-level Power 5 quarterback area. And I know Penn State, in in a lot of ways, if they want this guy, they'd want to get it done sooner rather than later so this doesn't get really nationwide. And he's not out coast-to-coast surveying his options. Instead, committing and helping build his in-state class here. So where are we with Matt Zollers coming out of his latest trip to campus? I think it was important for him to get back to campus and, you know, just meet again with Andy Kotelnicki. You know, Kotelnicki dropped by his school in December, and he was on campus again during the winter to, you know, meet Kotelnicki and get a better feel for his system. So I think it was imperative for Penn State to get him back on campus before the dead period and, you know, just dive into those in-depth conversations about what Penn State's offense is going to look like moving forward and how Zollers would fit in that given his skill set. There's no doubt about it. You know, he is the priority quarterback for Penn State right now when it comes to who is left on the board. And I think Penn State's done a pretty good job with him. You know, he has checked out Georgia. He's checked out Florida. I think Georgia's involvement is probably the one to keep an eye on. You know, I'm looking to learn more about where Florida's at there. But at the Georgia, you know, offensive coordinator down there, Mike Bowe, did a really good job with Zollers while he was on campus late in January. And I said it when we talked about Zollers leading into this visit weekend. You know, Georgia's quarterback situation in 2025 is kind of murky because they're not quite sure what Julian Lewis is going to do. You know, the five-star in-state guy, he's committed to USC right now. Is he going to stick with the Trojans? Is he going to wind up, you know, deciding, hey, I want to stay in the Peach State and suit up for Georgia? I think that'll play a pretty big part in where Georgia decides to go with the position. 
So how that impacts Zollers remains to be seen. I mentioned Florida. I don't think Pittsburgh could be discounted for Zollers given his brother plays there, but Nitting Lions have a leg up on them. I know that. I think, you know, he's still sorting through his options. I'd say Penn State is probably, you know, a little bit ahead of the pack right now. But he's kind of at a point where he's going to make more visits in the spring. He's going to narrow his list down, and he's going to make those visits and make a decision based on how those visits play out. So he's been to Penn State a bunch. The relationships there are good. He's going to be back, and I think the Nittany Lions have done a really nice job with him. Yeah, Zollers out of Springford High School has come a long way uh, from the rising junior that we saw last June picking up an offer from Ricky Ronnie in Old Dominion after the 7-on-7 tournament. A very different picture has been painted for his outlook on the recruiting trail. And we'll see where Penn State stands continuing forward. Another name that we preview going into the weekend, and we'll look at now coming out of it, is uh, from one of the premier programs in all of America, St. Joe's Prep in Philadelphia. Guy who started his high school career, really burst onto the Power 5 scene as a recruit at Salem High School in South Jersey. Cam Smith, uh, really impressive player here at the linebacker position. Top 200 overall talent, top 20 linebacker in 24-7 sports assessment, and someone who's been on Peyton State's radar for a long time, spending a couple different defensive coordinators now. Yeah, and he told me after his visit that Penn State's probably his top choice at this point in his process, and that's a process that's going to go on a little while longer. You know, he's been pretty consistent with me from the start timeline-wise. He's probably going to go through that June official visit process and then make a decision there in the summer. You know, how does that timeline work with what Penn State has going on at linebacker right now? I think we're going to have to wait and see, you know, if and how that will impact the equation for Cam Smith. But when it comes to this visit, the priority for him was getting back to town and meeting new DC Tom Allen for the first time. Cause you know, he was really tight with Manny Diaz and Gabe Infante and he had a pretty good feeling for how he would fit in their scheme. He'd been hearing about Allen since Penn state hired him, you know, hearing, Oh, you're going to be a good fit in this scheme. You know, it fits what you do well, but he wanted to get to campus and find that out for himself. And when he did to get to campus, he learned it's actually a defense that he's already pretty comfortable playing in given what St. Joe's prep runs. So it seems like those two, you know, that relationship is probably heading in a good direction now that they've got the chance to meet in person. And Smith is really, really hot on Penn State at this point in this process. You know, when I talked to him in the fall, it was kind of clear that Penn State was the leader. I, I think this visit reaffirmed that. But again, moving forward, that linebacker board is going to play itself out. And you can't discount the other programs involved with Smith as well. Rutgers has gotten him back on campus multiple times. I think you got to monitor Duke now as well. I mentioned how much he liked Diaz and Gabe Infante. Now those two are in Durham, and he made it down there for a junior day visit before he traveled to Penn State on Saturday. So there's a lot going on in that recruitment, but I think Penn State's ahead of the pack right now. Big fan of Cam Smith. I think yeah, I, I think his, his measurements are, are probably holding him back from reaching a different threshold in terms of some of the Power Five offers out there. You know, just talking about nationally. Um, but when you look, and I, I'm just talking about height and weight in terms of measurements, not necessarily. But he is an explosive athlete. And, and you look at what he did in, at Salem as an underclassman on both sides of the ball, you know, best player on the field kind of thing. And I wondered when I saw he was making that move to St. Joe's Prep. Okay, it's going to be a different kind of playing field, right? And to still stand yeah. out as an explosive presence when you're not just playing on that team, but the the schedule that they usually line up against for St. Joe's Prep, and it's it's a national schedule. So it's now that that's on film, and and he's still checking those boxes. Really exciting prospect, and I think the offer sheet doesn't necessarily reflect who he is as a prospect, but I think the rankings right there, you know, 152 overall nationally, the number four player in the state of Pennsylvania, although, as we said, the, the South Jersey roots. Um, let's go down to Florida, uh, uh, going through some of these names. Actually, before we get there, we'll take a pit stop 
in North Carolina if that works for you because that's where we'll find Michael Gibbs in Wilmington, North Carolina to be exact, an offensive lineman who made the trip up last weekend, another guy that we were looking forward to coming up to Happy Valley and, and the kind of impact. Phil Troutwine went down to him in January. He picked up an offer a couple weeks before Phil Troutwine came down to his school, and now here he was visiting Phil Troutwine's neck of the woods. So how do we come out of this whole thing where, as we talked about last episode, in one month, Penn State and Michael Gibbs out of Wilmington, North Carolina, packed a lot into a recruitment. And I'm curious where they end up here in early February. Yeah, Penn State definitely came out of this one shining. You know, we'll have more on Gibbs online 24-7 soon. He had a lot of positive feedback for me from this visit, specifically when it came to Phil Troutwine. Just another example of Troutwine getting around Gibbs and his family and really just both parties hitting it off and feeling comfortable with each other. Gibbs really liked the energy of head coach James Franklin throughout the day. Just really liked everything that Penn State had to offer. So I'd anticipate the Nittany Lions are a pretty big-time player with Gibbs moving forward. You know, he looking like a tackle prospect on that board for Penn State. And, you know, we mentioned Alicine and O'Hara being on board already. You know, O'Hara obviously still need to figure out exactly what's going to happen with him with Alicine on board. There's, there is still room to add at tackle. And Gibbs is a guy that could also kick inside and play on the interior. So there's versatility to his game. He could play kind of one through five. And, you know, the next guy we talk about, he's another one that could play one through five. That seems like a theme with a lot of the guys Penn State is involved with right now. But uh, Gibbs, that visit went really well, and I think Penn State is really standing out to him right now. Well, well I'm almost like shocked when I look at a, a tackle profile now that Penn State's involved in like this, and the guy's not six foot seven, six foot eight. You know, Gibbs six foot four, two sixty five ish range right now, and it's like, okay, yeah, that's a normal human being. Uh, you know, not a normal human being. That's kind of a normal size for a junior. But Phil Troutwine's just been adding these mammoths, and and not yes. all of them are are three hundred pounds plus yet. You've got a you know six foot eight, two hundred and fifty pound freshman on campus right now, and Egan Boyer, but. Uh, yeah, I, I was like, wait, are we sure this, that Michael Gibbs isn't six foot six plus? Because that, that seems to be exclusive right now. All right, moving forward, you mentioned the another offensive lineman, 6'5", 270, a junior out of Sumner High School in Riverview, Florida, Zaire Addison. He's a four-star prospect. He's the number 26 offensive tackle in the country for the 2025 cycle. And like Gibbs, he got a firsthand account of what it's like in State College this past weekend. And, and what's the report on how that went for Addison? Yeah, Penn State, first trip to Penn State for Addison, and it moved into his top five after this visit. He's already planning on returning to campus in the spring. I think an official visit is definitely in the cards at this point. Zaire Addison's a guy that's been moving up to Phil Charlton's board pretty much for a while now. You know, they've been down in Florida to see him at school. They get him on campus over the weekend and I mean he's got his wingspan is ridiculous he's got it's just he, Phil Trowin even told them what Zaire Addison has from a physical standpoint it's rare for any athlete at any position so I think it's pretty clear you know he's stock up on Penn State's board and he could play tackle he could play guard he could play center he could really do anything asked of him and that's something that Penn State likes about him and Addison likes the fact that Penn State sees that you know he likes that Penn State isn't pigeonholing him into a position and, you know, this is going to be your role, and this is where we like you. It's, no, you could do a lot of different things for us on the O-line. We like that, and Addison has been receptive. I still look at Miami as a big-time player with Addison. I think the Cans will be tough to beat, but Penn State definitely helped itself with the Florida native over the weekend, and he'll be back on campus. So the potential for that recruitment to continue taking off from the Nittany Lions perspective is very much there. Stay in the Sunshine State, another player that we referenced a bit last week at the re receiver spot. And as we said, it was a really intriguing weekend at receiver with the volume of offered talent in the 2025 cycle. 
in in state college for this junior day samari reed is one of those who traveled as long as anybody just about to be in attendance at this event at a monarch high school in pompano beach florida uh, a big longer receiver uh, as a junior right now not yet ranked by by 24 7 sports but carries about 20 fbs offers and, and penn state got a chance to impress did they do that and what was the overall feel of the experience from what you've gathered definitely impressed moving to the top three you know, the first time he visited Penn State was during the summer when he traveled from Florida to State College, participated in that seven-on-seven tournament with his Monarch team. Most of his focus that day was helping Monarch win a championship. So he didn't get the chance to do a whole lot more than, you know, ball out on the field in front of the staff. But he gets back to campus for this visit. He wanted to see Penn State more in-depth because he went in, when he was in town, he was liking what he was seeing, you know, just looking around getting a feel for the program, the coaches, being around them all day. He was liking Penn State, so he wanted to make it back for this visit. Javon Siders played a pretty big role in this recruitment, but it was important for Reed to get back and meet with Marcus Hagan and meet with Andy Kotelnicki and learn more about the direction of the offense and the utilization of receivers in Kotelnicki's scheme and how Hagan's works with his guys. I think Penn State hit on both of those areas. It seemed like Reed was impressed with what Kotelnicki and Hagan's had to say. He's going to be back in the spring. He wants to check out three other schools, West Virginia, Missouri. He wants to, you know, stay in that region and get some visits in there. But Penn State, it's definitely on the – getting back to campus is definitely on the to-do list for Reed. And given, you know, just how jumbled up that wide receiver board is with so many offers out there, anytime a guy we know the staff likes, you know, goes on record and says his interest is heightened, it's definitely noteworthy and something to keep an eye on in the coming weeks and months. A lot more reaction to these visits at lines247.com as Penn State moving up the board for plenty of recruits, as Tyler Calvaruso has mentioned throughout this episode. Uh, there are more reactions coming. I know each of us, and I'm sure many members of the 24-7 Sports Network, are, are still t working their way through conversations and transcript and what have you to put together some stories on feedback from Penn State's third consecutive junior day event. And that'll close the book for a bit. Tyler, what do you think Penn State was able to accomplish during these last three weeks now that we can kind of put a punctuation mark at the end of it? The dead period settles in. Penn State coaches are going to really be focused in on these winter workouts and, and on-campus development here for the next little while. But in the last three weeks, a lot of plane rides, a lot of long-distance car trips, a lot of opportunities to get face-to-face -face with recruits here on campus and then at high schools uh, across the country for the Nittany Lions. Picked up a couple commitments along the way. Can you kind of put a bow on this and summarize what this program accomplished during that span? Lock down a couple guys, like you said, that's always, you know, sometimes a lot of these junior day visits, you know, they don't result in commitments right away, but they result in commitments down the road because you put your relationship in such a good place where, you know, Penn State could be a pretty big player moving forward. But it got two guys locked in coming out of these visits, Noah and Alex and Alex Tash, so that's a big deal. And I think really with all the priority 2025 guys who made it to campus, I think Penn State – kind of helped itself and moved up a lot of lists throughout this junior day season. So the staff did a lot of good work making families, especially, you know, guys who travel from out of state, all those recruits felt really at home and really comfortable around the staff. And then in 2026 too, you know, it's still really early, but they hosted a lot of priority targets specifically in the state of Pennsylvania and Penn State's continued to good, do good work with the underclassmen who are high on its board. So I think, I think the staff accomplished pretty much everything they wanted to accomplish. Got a couple commitments, kept the ball rolling in the right direction with some priority guys in 25, and you're laying the groundwork for success in 2026 as well. So I think head coach James Franklin and his staff, I think, I think they will uh, attribute that as an successful junior day slate.
Tyler, as we were talking, I saw that Tom Loy had a report out. Uh, it's over at our site as well, 24-7 Sports, just breaking down what's ahead for Jadon Blair mm-hmm. that we just spent yeah. some time discussing, the four-star safety. He's got his four official visits locked in uh, for late May through late June, going to South Carolina May 31st, Notre Dame June 7th, Michigan June 14th, and then Penn State June 21st. Just off the cuff, what do you think about the Nittany Lions batting leadoff in that planned order of operations? I think I think when you look at this list, Michigan, you know, the timing is interesting for Penn State. You know, getting that June I said, I said leadoff. I'm sorry. Batting leadoff. South Carolina is batting leadoff here. Yeah, I think that's actually interesting because he visited South Carolina before he made it to Penn State, and the Gamecocks made a good impression on him. You know, I mentioned Notre Dame on June 7th. I think Notre Dame is a sleeper there. Michigan on the 14th, that's a place that he has told me he's wanted to visit and learn more about, so that's intriguing. But I think Penn State being last, I think it's a good spot. But I'm kind of like 50-50 on it because if you look at the landscape of official visits last year, there were a lot of guys who were popping off that first visit, whether it be to Penn State or just guys who were making it to other campuses and committing, really coming out of their first visit. So it's kind of like hit or miss, you know. Does South Carolina make such a strong impression where Blair feels at home, or does he want to continue to go through his process and then Penn State gets the last crack at him? Traditionally, you know, I would say having the last visit, it's a big deal because it's your, you know, you get the last crack, you get that. That's the pitch that you send him home with. You know, that's the last pitch he gets to hear. That's what's resonating with him as he sits down with his family to make a decision. But then at the same time, you know, you kind of run the risk of him deciding to go elsewhere and never making it to campus. But you know, maybe we're reading too much into the specific structure because every recruit is an individual, right? You know, and guys aren't going to make decisions based on previous trends. You got to approach it on a case-by-case basis. But I do like Penn State getting that last visit because I do think we've seen it where Penn State, when they do get a last visit, they seem to do pretty well and they have a pretty, you know, solid hit rate there with guys who decide to visit State College less in their official visit process. So it's interesting. I do like Penn State for Blair in general. You know, I've said it countless times. I do think the Nittany Lions have the team to beat there at this juncture. He was just on campus too. So yep. it's not like if this is a guy who hadn't been on campus since last summer and you've got to wait till the fourth visit in the official visit itinerary, then you're like, this is really yeah. that this is a different thing. The familiarity is there. The connection is there. And, and, and I think, you know, you just try to weather the storm, let everyone make their pitch. And then, you know, Kind of just say, here's what we've been saying since the beginning. Let's go over this again and and make sure you feel home. And then that's what you hope you're able to do as a staff with Penn State in this case. And in a lot of the cases when, as we said, batting cleanup versus batting leadoff. Um, So, Tyler, really appreciate the coverage. As I said, winter workouts are underway. We have a bunch coming uh, your way from those, including a rundown today on Monday of of who was named the competitors of the day in each position room. Uh, And we've also working our way towards spring ball. We're just about uh, uh, five weeks out of this team getting back on the football field, having a chance to cover all that in action. But Calvaruso, really appreciate it. You've been on just about every episode with us during this three-week span. We're going to do our best, barring any breaking news, because I will pull you back on board for some breaking news this week, but give you a little bit of time away from the podcast, uh, catch your voice back, and and maybe uh, focus on some other things for a while. But really been great having you on with us and keeping our finger on the pulse of Penn State recruiting with you along the way. No, I appreciate you having me on, man. It's always a good time. All right. We'll catch up with Tyler again soon right here on the podcast. Our plan for next episode this week will be have Daniel Gallon back on, and we'll break down this Penn State defense from a depth chart perspective. We did that last Tuesday 
breaking down the offensive depth chart and how that's coming together in early 2024. We'll do that for defense next time around. Also working on the possibility of coordinating another guest on the show. So we'll keep you posted on that. And if any breaking news pops on the recruiting trail, as I said, I won't hesitate to end Tyler's hiatus immediately and get him back on for our next episode of the podcast. For now, just one final reminder, 75% off a full VIP annual subscription at lines247.com. Right now, Monday, February 5th, and only Monday, February 5th, 75% off. Head over to lines247.com for those details to make the plunge if you're ready. For now, stepping aside on behalf of Tyler Calvaruso and our entire 24-7 sports community, I am Tyler Donahue. This has been the Lions 24-7 podcast.